Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of our Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Catherine Pluck, and I'm a senior knowledge lawyer here at Norton Rose Fulbright in London. Today, I'm joined by Katie Stephen, co-head of our contentious financial services group in London, as well as Celia Cohen, co-head of financial institutions in the United States. And we're going to discuss the key regulatory risks for financial services firms in those respective jurisdictions around environmental, social and governance issues, also known as ESG. Katie and Zelia are also going to give us their practical tips on what firms can be doing now to help manage these emerging risks. As those listening will be aware, ESG matters are high on the global agenda, with a focus not only on climate change, but also on wider environmental issues and social and governance issues such as diversity and inclusion and accountability. Before we start to talk about specific ESG risks, Perhaps, Katie, you can tell us at a high level about the UK Financial Conduct Authorities or SCA's current role in relation to ESG matters. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Kat. And hello, everyone. So here in the UK, the FCA has been clear that the financial sector has an important role to play in helping the economy adapt to a more sustainable long term future and that consumers need to be able to rely on regulated firms to take ESG seriously. Last year, the FCA welcomed its first director of ESG with a mandate to embed ESG considerations across its functions, and it is to have regard to the UK's government's commitment to a net zero economy by 2050 in all of its regulatory activities. We're also seeing the FCA engaging with companies that it considers may not be complying with its rules in respect to their ESG disclosures. What have regulators been doing in the US, Celia? Well, so thanks, Katie. Like the FCA. In the United States, the Security and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, has been increasingly active in the ESG space. Uh, Last year, really, sorry, March of 2021, it announced the creation of a climate and ESG task force. And as a result of this task force efforts, the SEC has brought ESG-related disclosure actions against several high-profile public companies. Um, This year, the SEC has also proposed new rules that would require domestic and foreign registrants to provide climate-related disclosures in their registration statements and annual reports. It also proposed new rules to enhance the regulatory framework for disclosures concerning investment funds and investment advisors' ESG investing strategies. Um, The comment period for these extensive rules has finished Um, But the proposed rules have not, there's been no vote on it. Um, The SEC is now considering those comments, which um, it appears that over 10,000 comments were received. So we're not sure exactly how long this will go, but obviously uh, a lengthy process and difficult issues surrounding these uh, proposed rules. Yes, absolutely. This is clearly an area which is high on the regulatory agenda in both jurisdictions. Moving on now to some of the specific ESG regulatory risks we have identified, one area which has received a lot of press coverage in connection with ESG is greenwashing, which I know has been a particular focus for the FCA. Katie, could you please tell us a bit more about this? Yeah, sure. So as many of those listening will know, in a nutshell, greenwashing is the term given to the practice of making misleading statements about the environmental credentials of a business or product in order to attract investment or customers more broadly. 
As you say, mitigating the risk of greenwashing is a particular focus for the FCA, and in its latest business plan, it expressly references greenwashing as a practice that doesn't meet FCA expectations and says that it will intervene swiftly to protect consumers. The FCA is doing a lot of work in this area, which relevant firms need to keep on top of. So, for example, last year it issued a letter to the chairs of authorised fund managers, setting out guiding principles for the design and disclosure of responsible and sustainable investment funds. And it's working to develop additional rules in this area. But firms should also be aware that the FCA already has the power to take enforcement and supervisory action in connection with greenwashing. For example, principle seven requires that an authorised firm must pay due regard to the information needs of its clients and communicate information to them in a way in which is clear, fair and not misleading. And this requirement is also reflected in the financial promotion rules. Celia, how does this compare to the US position on greenwashing? So in the US, the SEC's proposed new rules that I just mentioned earlier would require certain disclosures by registrants, investment funds, and investment advisors, and also seek to help combat greenwashing. So it's definitely a concern, and I think that concern is growing, as we see in recent enforcement actions and in the news. Uh, in addition, the SEC already, before the rules, has broad authority to issue rules requiring U.S. publicly traded companies to disclose significant financial and other information so that investors can make informed investment decisions, including disclosures relating to climate change. Um, furthermore, as a result of the ESG task force that I mentioned that the SEC has started, which is charged with proactively identifying ESG-related misconduct, um, that, you know, as I mentioned, enforcement action that has enable the SEC to already bring enforcement actions for greenwashing. And I think, you know, as the economy, uh, we've seen the economy going down and, and not being as strong, potentially people are concerned about a recession. Uh, I think that's an, a time when companies could get, um, not intentionally, but sloppy with this in efforts to um, looking for ways to grow and increase revenue. And so people need to be particularly careful about that. Um, on the other hand, investors who may be losing money are also going to be looking uh, and waiting for companies to, um, at the, the slightest or the slightest suggestion that there may be a misrepresentation with greenwashing, will be sure to bring those suits. I agree, Celia. What else do you, where else do you see regulatory risk in relation to ESG? Well, I see corporate disclosures, which really goes hand in hand with greenwashing, um, as another key area of ESG risk for financial services firms. They need to comply with rules on corporate disclosures relevant to ESG and risk regulatory scrutiny and potential, potentially enforcement action if they do not do so. I mean, I think the hard part with ESG is it's not, you know, it's not as black and white as a lot of things. We've seen such as stocks violations or something like that. Um, and so the disclosures have to be really careful. I mean, ultimately, you know, whether it's financial numbers or ESG, if you're going to disclose something, it has to be accurate, of course. Um, but it's just, I think firms will struggle in making sure that, you know, this sort of amorphous concept or, or you know, 
environmental, social governance are, it, it's hard to define it as much, but whatever they say, it has to be accurate. Um, and, the US, and the SEC has made significant efforts to increase corporate ESG disclosures, as we've discussed. Um, other ESG-related risks and opportunities are also likely to be financially material to many issuers. And as a result, firms should consider ESG matters carefully when determining what should be disclosed. So corporate disclosures is also a risk for UK firms. Um, and the FCA has introduced some specific obligations around ESG-related disclosures with which in-scope issuers need to comply. Um, and disclosure obligations also arise on an ongoing basis um, pursuant to, um, amongst other things, the market abuse regulation. Katie, what other regulatory risks do you see for firms? So relevant to both greenwashing and corporate disclosures, I think there's also a broader governance risk for regulated firms in this area. Firms need to have adequate internal arrangements in place, including procedures to identify and manage different types of ESG risk relevant to their business and ensure these are escalated to senior management and the board uh, where that's appropriate. In the UK, the FCA's handbook includes provisions requiring regulated firms to take reasonable care to organise and control their affairs reasonably and effectively with adequate risk management systems. And consequently, where firms don't have sufficient governance around ESG issues and there are serious or repeated failings, there's a risk of regulatory intervention and potentially enforcement action. Firms should keep in mind that the FCA regards robust governance arrangements as being key to ensuring good corporate culture and conduct, and it's previously pursued enforcement action in relation to deficient systems and controls, regardless of whether any harm has been caused to third parties. And listed companies also need to ensure that they comply with relevant governance requirements in relation to disclosures, such as the listing principles and rules. Now, the same governance risks also exist in the United States. Under the pending proposed rules, the SEC would require registrants to, among other things, disclose detailed information about the handling of climate change issues, including climate-related governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and goals. Um, and as I mentioned before, this is going to be very difficult to companies. It's not so black and white. So this means that if approved, registrants would need to ensure that they had detailed insight into the processes and methods by which their board of directors consider climate-related risks and any climate-related targets or goals set by the board and mechanisms for overseeing the company's progress against such targets and goals. The rules would also require, where applicable, disclosure of the management positions and committees responsible for assessing and managing ESG risks and any relevant expertise of these individuals, processes utilized by the relevant parties to monitor risks and board reporting requirements. Uh, it's a lot. I, I think you know it's going to be very difficult for companies. Um, and I think that we've already seen um, companies that are sort of preparing for what might be coming down the pipes with this um, and having in-house counsel and people dedicated to ESG to really get their arms around this uh, and be able to handle it once the SEC rules come out. Interesting, thank you, Celia. 
So far, we've been talking about greenwashing, corporate disclosures and governance from a firm perspective. Katie, what about individuals? What should they be thinking about from an ESG risk perspective, if anything? So I think the key takeaway for individuals in this area is that they could be a risk as well as the firm for failings in both the UK and um, we'll come on to in a minute in the US. So, for example, in the UK, the regulator senior managers and certification regime aims to reduce harm to consumers and strengthen market integrity. And that's by making individuals more accountable for their conduct and their competence. And specifically in relation to ESG, the PRA has stated its expectation that responsibility for identifying and managing financial risks from climate change should be allocated to a relevant senior management function. And so, Celia, what about in the US? So that's that's right. As a general point, companies are under pressure to improve their ESG performance while maintaining profitability. And so individuals at those companies will feel that pressure. Uh, in the U.S., the Department of Justice has also renewed its focus on prosecuting individuals. Uh, and we would think will be likely on the lookout for ESG-related fraud. A broader point to also flag to firms is that they should be mindful of the reputational risks connected with managing ESG issues. I think we've read so much about ESG that every time something comes out, you know, it's all over the press. So I think reputational risk is huge here. Um, potential rule breaches and reputational risks may require notification to regulators, and failures to report may themselves attract regulatory attention and sanctions. So even an investigation which concludes with no action being taken can be reputationally damaging, given that ESG is a focus for companies and investors all over the world. The reputational risk of mismanaging ESG disclosures is substantial. And I know um, we'll probably talk about this uh, as, as we keep going, but this is where I think whistleblowers also come into play because whistleblowers realize this and realize the reputational damage and so I think you're going to see a lot of whistleblowers coming out uh, and, and making these types of allegations that could substantially um, damage companies' reputation, even when there might not be much there. Yes, so in, in light of this, the firms that are listening and wondering what they and their senior management can be doing to, to manage the various ESG risks we've discussed, what would you advise, Celia? Thanks, Kat. I think there are a number of practical steps that firms in both the U.S. and the U.K. can take now to manage the regulatory risk around ESG. Uh, and these can be broadly grouped in six different buckets. So I'm going to go through a few of them and I'll turn it over to Katie to go through them. And, you know, I think that as we've been talking and, and right now there's so much unknown, particularly in the U.S. with the rules and what people should do. But I think thinking through these steps that you can take will help companies prepare for what may be coming. So the first of these, I, we identify as diligence. So this is a fast moving area and sufficient internal resources need to be allocated by firms to remain adequately informed about the developments in the ESG space, including regulatory and industry guidance. Firms need to understand what ESG means for them and part of this process is mapping incoming changes in the ESG landscape across to their own business and evaluating 
where those risks may arise. Engaging with others, such as peers, regulators, and industry bodies may give firms early notice of the introduction of ESG measures and may also inform firms the opportunity to share best practice examples with each other in this space, particularly when this is all new for everyone. Now, the second group after diligence of practical steps falls under the heading of training. Firms need to ensure that adequate training is delivered internally, including in relation to regulatory expectations regarding ESG issues and the risks in this area. I mean, this is just the same as anything. If you don't really aren't trained in something that's new and don't know what to look for, it's going to amount to problems. So ESG is not an area that senior managers can safely lead to the, lead to the specialists since it's wide ranging and may affect a number of business areas and internal functions. So training should include the board who will be expected to stay adequately informed and set the appropriate tone from the top. So in other words, you can't just have somebody, one person dealing with ESG. It really needs, everyone needs to be trained and understand it um, across the board. Now, a third area of actions is around appropriate risk management and internal governance. Firms may be able to take advantage of risk management and internal governance frameworks already in place to manage other types of risks, such as financial crime and bribery and corruption for the purpose of addressing ESG issues and risks. But of course, these will need to be adapted and regularly updated to take into account ESG developments. Firms should consider in particular whether they have in place appropriate ESG risk assessments, policies, committees, Involved, involving all relevant stakeholders with clear escalation channels and clear documentation around ESG decision-making, in particular with regard to ESG-related disclosures and representations. And as I mentioned before, I think we're seeing this already. Companies are recognizing that they need to have these policies, procedures, committees in place and are already have begun uh, to, to put those in place. Um, so, Katie, I'll, I'll turn it over to you to, to talk about the next three steps. All right. Thanks, Celia. So the fourth area is one that you've already touched on, and that's whistleblowing. Um, I agree with you that ESG is one of those areas which evokes strong feelings and sentiment. And this, combined with the increased regulatory focus on whistleblowing more generally, means that firms may well see an increase in whistleblowing in relation to ESG. So firms need to make sure they have adequate whistleblowing arrangements and will be able to deal with and respond appropriately to any issues that are raised in this way. Firms also need to remember that whistleblowing can arise internally from employees, but it can also originate externally, including from customers, shareholders or other motivated interest groups. The fifth area is that firms need to ensure that they deliver an effective response to complaints, concerns and issues. And what I mean by that is that ESG related complaints and concerns need to be taken seriously and investigated where appropriate. Where ESG related issues are identified, swift action may need to be taken to understand the root cause of the issue and to prevent reoccurrence. And there may also be an opportunity for lessons to be learned and for these learnings to become embedded in internal processes. 
Taking internal or external legal advice and obtaining the protection of legal privilege may also be useful in seeking to understand any potential exposure and how best to mitigate this. Finally, and we've mentioned this already, individuals. So all the points we've made should also inform the steps being taken by senior managers and staff who need to equip themselves with the knowledge to inform their decision making and ensure they can evidence reasonable steps, including adequate challenge and debate as part of the risk management process and appropriate internal governance arrangements. Thank you for these insights, Katie and Celia. It is clear that whilst ESG presents opportunities for financial services providers, it also brings with it a number of regulatory risks that need to be properly considered and managed. Proper resourcing in relation to ESG and being agile in responding to changes as they come in is clearly key. For future updates, please visit our Regulation Tomorrow blog. Thank you for listening.